That slide makes me want to blow my whistle. All right, now that we have your attention, we're going to take a time out together. Why are we going to take a time out? Because there are times in a game where you need to stop because things have gotten a little out of control and it's time to figure out what's the game plan because what's been going on so far hasn't been working too well. We got to get some things set. We got to get the right personnel on the field in play. And the thing when it comes to sports, and today NFL is kicking off their first Sunday of the year, so there's football in everybody's mind. So I'm going to come alongside those thoughts with us this morning, and I want to consider the teams that get on the field. Now, there's normally two teams that have conflict with one another, don't they? Because they each want to score on different end zones because they want to win the game and they're willing to work hard, fight hard, do whatever it takes to win the game because it's all about winning the game, right? So we see that going on. And there's a lot of disputing going on and who's the better team. I hope they win. I really like them. How could they do that? I can't believe they blew it again. So, you guys get how football works, right? But what I want to talk to you this morning about is there's actually three teams on the field. We have the two teams that are competing with one another, but there's also a team of officials, isn't there, on the field. Now, they're not from the cities in which these teams may be from in playing, okay? They are commissioned from a whole nother city to come in to the game and to make some calls during the game of what is supposed to take place during the game because sometimes people don't play fair and if there's no officials people are going to do whatever they want the game can go whatever way they want it to go but there are rules that are in place isn't there things that need to be followed and we want to watch a good game a fair game, but the reality is there's a lot of chaos that's going on on the field. And there's a commissioner who has sent officials to make sure that the rules are being followed. Now, we have a rule book, don't we? I love this. The Word of God is a manual for you and I. A lot of people trying to figure out what is life. I have all these questions. They have their thoughts their opinions, they want to play that way. It's a little dirty. (laughs) But God says, no, I'm going to tell you what's right, what's not right. And if you're not right, I'm going to tell you how to get right. And I'm going to tell you how to stay right. Isn't that 2 Timothy 3.16? That we would be equipped for every good work. Now, the thing that's really cool for you and I is we get to be on a third team because we're not citizens of This city in this football team, doesn't Philippians 3 tell us that our citizenship is where? In heaven. And we have a commissioner who has told us, you are to go and you are to enforce the rules. You have the manual, you have the rule book, and you got to make sure people are playing by the rules. And it is one of those things. When we see injustice, as a believer, we know God's heart, what he said is right and wrong. And if someone is hurting 
another, abusing somebody, doing something that's not right, are we not going to step in and say, yo, time out here. Flake. <laughs> this isn't right. This is wrong. So there is a whole other team that is there, and they're working together to make sure that they're getting the calls right. Now this morning, I want to consider with you uh, the end of Matthew chapter 28, picking it up in verse, well, we're going to pick it up in verse 16 for the context together here. And I want you guys, I know we have a few visitors here at Freedom this morning. It's really clear. People ask, well, what's your mission there? Well, we want to live out the great commandment, which is to love God and love others. And we also want to live out, fulfill the great commission. And that's what we're going to look at together this morning. So let's take a look at verse 16 together here. It says, then the 11 disciples. Why are there only 11? Because there was a Judas. Okay? So... Uh, they went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed them. So this is after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. He's about to ascend into heaven. So this is the last thing that he tells his disciples before he takes off. And he says in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, what does he say? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Wow. That's a cool thing to chew on for a second, isn't it? Jesus has said, all authority, that means everything. We're not just speaking in heaven, but also on earth. We're not just talking eternity, but we're talking time now. Do you understand that Jesus is God? He is the king of kings. And he is ruling with all authority for all time in this time because he overcame sin and death. He is God. And he here is now giving some marching orders to his team. Commissioner Jesus says, hey, I have a great commission for you. Guys, you know there's five commissions in the New Testament, but this one is referred to what? The Great Commission. And this is the Great Commission this morning. He says, all authority. Well, let me stop really, really quickly. The word authority in the Greek is what? Anybody know? Dunamis, which we get our word what? Dynamite. You're a smart brother, right? Power. That's what the word authority in the Greek means. Hey, all power's been given to me. But the thing that's really cool, this word that's been translated authority is not dunamis. It is agusia. Well, that's a different word. Still means authority, but it's a different type of authority. It means you have authorization over power. And follow me with this. There's a reason why there's a distinction between these two words. Because would you guys say that these athletes who are going to get on the field this afternoon, who've made it to the NFL, would you say they're pretty powerful guys? They're big. They work out every day. They're strong. I know I wouldn't want to get hit by one of them, right? They have power. They have dunamis, okay? 
But the thing that's really cool is there's authority that Jesus has, and we're going to read in a second that authority has been given to us. We're the team on the field. Yeah, you ever look at those officials on the field? They're a little older, a little fatter, (laughs) not as in shape, maybe not the dunamis power as those playing on the field, maybe not as powerful as the powers of this world that are work today. But the thing that's cool is when you have this dunamis power, if Jesus is saying, I have all authority, I have this igisia, this authority over all power, we have also been given that authority and we have that right to authorize other powers. So these powers on the field, the ref can step in and say, you know what? You may be powerful, but you did something wrong. I have the authority to put you, that power, you're out of the game. You might bump me or hurt me during a game, but I ain't getting kicked out of the game. I can kick you out of the game. Do you guys see the difference between the two powers there, the authority difference? It's not just a powerful authority. Jesus is saying, I have authority over all powers. I get the final call. I thought that was cool. That was kind of a nerdy thing. But it does fit into where we're going here, okay? So let's move on. He says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And that's a cool thing to think on. But he tells us then what? All authority has been given to me. Now I want you to go. Go. Go where? I like Culver's. Do you want me to go to Culver's, Lord? (laughs) No, he tells us where. Hey, I want you to go to uh, therefore and make disciples of all nations. What? All nations. Do you guys know that the early church, these disciples turned the world upside down? The gospel actually went into the known world at that time. That's pretty awesome to think about. And here we know and we can study the radical things that happened in the early church. But he says, hey, I want you guys to go, therefore, and make disciples. Now, what's a disciple? We talk about that a lot in church. That's a word that's thrown around a lot. But I would argue not every Christian is a disciple. Just because you show up at church doesn't mean that you're actually living a life that's under Christ's rule. There's a lot of people who show up at church but they're not in a place of submitting to God and what he is asking in life. A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who is submitted in a way they've put themselves under his rule. It's no longer, I'm Lord, but no, (laughs) Jesus, you are Lord. I'm bowing the knee to you. You're calling the shots in my life. It's not me giving you advice. It's me taking your advice. It's me coming under what you have declared. And what a disciple does is they grow. And they're growing how? To be more like Jesus. To think like he thinks. To make the decisions like he would make. And act like he would act. And that is the beautiful thing. Because as the officials are on the field, okay, they're not pushed to a place of having to side with this side or side with that side because they're from a whole nother place, okay? They have a whole nother role. 
And in that, they're able to step in and to stand on what God, (laughs) what the commissioner has declared, what the rules are. And they get to act in such a way. They don't have to sit there and argue about, well, yeah, I I have the power to make this call, you know. No, you get to because that's who you are. And that's who we are in Christ. We are disciples. And I don't know where all of you guys work. But wherever you go as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're a true disciple, you're going to be Christ-like in that profession, in that calling. And in the church today, there's this idea that the secular is to be separate from the sacred. That's a lie, guys. We don't just do our church stuff on Sunday or when we have our church stuff going on and then we just go into the world and do our world stuff No, man, if you're a nurse, guess what? You get to be Christ-like, make Christ-like decisions, have his mind, act like Jesus to the patients that you are serving, to the doctors that you are working with. You get to be a light for him. If you're in the schools, you get to be, how would Jesus teach? How would he instruct students? How would he love them? and act. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? No matter what you do, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you are like him. Didn't the Apostle Paul say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ? And that's a beautiful picture of discipleship. Hey, I want to disciple you. And we're we're called to go make disciples. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well, if you're being discipled yourself, if you know the rule book, (laughs) if you have the mind of Christ, if you are acting and living like Christ, you really have a submitted life. Yeah, follow me. Learn from me. This is how it looks. But you're not a pastor. You're not a missionary. That's great. Again, the secular and the sacred are together. This is how you love your wife. This is how you train your children in the ways of the Lord. So I don't care what you're doing. You might be a painter. We got a few of those. You might be a person who's in the business world. Great. Do you guys know the business world needs to know what is right and fair and just? Absolutely. This is how Christ would interact in business dealings. Brother and sister, we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Not just come in warm chairs on a Sunday morning so church can have a building, and do their stuff. We are called by God to do what? Go make disciples. Well, I want to do that, Pastor. Good. Be discipled. That's part of why we take the word of God so serious here at Freedom. My disciples will know my word, Jesus said. But it's not just knowing his word. It's actually being in that place of being submitted to it and being doers of it. So, um, I have a lot of thoughts, but there's some scriptures I want to get to with you guys. Um, Do you guys know tomorrow is what? September 11th. Now, we are all very familiar with September 11th. I think about these guys from the other side of the world who 
were radical for their belief in a false god, and they were willing to do some radical things to hurt others in the name of their false god. And every time September 11th rolls around, guys, I, I think this is something that these people from another nation came and did and didn't radically disturb our nation, change our nation, it did. Just a few guys believing a false God. We know the true and living God. And what if we as Christians took discipleship seriously and were radical about our faith? Do you think that would have an implication in this nation? Do you think people's lives would be touched? That this nation could even be changed as a result of that? Absolutely. And that's where I want to encourage you guys and myself. Let's go for it. Let's do what God's asked us to do. Go and make disciples. There's so many Christians today that are putting their hope in this and that. And if only we can get this done or only if that happens. But all that stuff doesn't come around the one thing God's asked us to do. Go make disciples. We have this mentality, things will change from the top down. I read the scripture, change happens one by one in relation. It's from the bottom up. And that's where I want us as a church family, let's grow bottom up, right here in our own backyard in the Fox Valley. What if we took discipleship seriously and began to pour into others? What implications would that have? and those that we choose to give ourselves to. But pastor, I don't have time. That's because you haven't priority, prioritized what God has told us to prioritize. We give ourselves to all these other things and these other excuses. If we submit and say yes to God, I just don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to just be a pew sitter. I really want to be a disciple of yours. I believe radical change would come. And God's ways, guys, are way better than ours. And yet we have a tendency to want to give ourselves to so many other things. And I'm going to ask you guys to take this serious this morning. Not in a legalistic way. I'm not trying to beat you guys. I'm trying to encourage you guys that God is good and he is right. Let's get over ourselves. Let's repent. Let's forgive. And move on in what God is calling us to do. That we can go love this world, shine for Jesus, make disciples. And if you are discipling someone, that's great. Pray and ask God, who else can I disciple? If you're not discipling someone, pray. God, who do you want me to make sacrifice for? Who do you want me to pour into? And that's going to take time. And it's going to mean you have to say no to other things. But you don't understand. I'm busy. I have a lot of work to do. Great. How in that sacred space can you disciple people? Okay, I've had a lot of secular jobs, and every single one I've had, I've been able to disciple people in that. We can do it wherever God sends us, guys. Well, we're not allowed to talk about that. We'll talk about it and get fired. Okay? We're here to be light. We have a manual. Well, they tell me I can't. God tells me I should. Who am I going to listen to? <laughs> Pray about it. Um.
already 10 to. You guys like to preach. Um, oh, this clock is 10 minutes fast. Oh, good. Who changed that clock? Somebody changed that on me. Got to keep Pastor in check. <laughs> That's awesome. I have a bunch of other thoughts here on the official thing, but we don't have time to get to that because what I want to talk about today is the reality as Christians and being on God's team, okay? Citizenship, you know, he has given us a commission to go. Um, there are times like this that are needed, okay? We call a time out. We huddle. And aren't huddles good? Because, hey, I'm not going to get hit in a huddle, okay? We're huddling together. It's a time out. I can finally catch my breath. Before I get back in the game, it's good to huddle, guys, but we can't stay in a huddle all the time. We got to do the going. We got to go. During prayer this morning, we just shared a few verses out of the last part of the Gospel of John, chapter 2. And it tells us there that Jesus didn't commit himself to these people who had been following him, listening to his teachings. Jesus didn't commit to to them. That doesn't sound like Jesus. It's what he did, and it tells us why. Because Jesus knew their hearts. He knew their hearts. He sees what's going on. And that's how I pray for you guys. That we would have hearts that are turned towards him, that are seeking him. And I would covet prayers from you to be praying the same thing for me. But let's have those hearts that really desire to seek the Lord. Because that's where the change happens. That's where God moves and works. He's not going to force any one of you to say, hey, you have to go make disciples and fill this, you know, fulfill this great commission. No, his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him. And Jesus asks the question today, just like he did in the Old Testament with Isaiah, whom shall I send? And what did the prophet Isaiah say? Lord, send me. Send me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a mess, God but you can use me. Use me. And that's what God's looking for today. Who has that type of heart saying, yeah, God, I I want in. I want whatever you want. No matter how hard, how good, how backwards, how outside of myself, whatever it is, I'm willing. And I want to encourage you guys to step into all that God has because his ways are good. And my desire is that we're going to step up. We were well taught here at Freedom. And next week, we're going to just start going through 2 Corinthians. There's power in the word of God. But I want to encourage and start walking with you guys and with each other in such a way that we're actually doing it together, experiencing it together. Because that's one thing. It's easy to know all this stuff, (laughs) but do we actually put it into practice? Are we actually living it out so i'm hoping and i'm intending to be able to connect with you all one-on-one to encourage you guys but i want to ask you guys to do the same thing okay it's not just me we are a body we are a team and we need to be doing this with one another amen so if there are opportunities do it make it to a study we have men women's studies we have time in prayer we have a retreat coming up make it happen be plugged in. And what I want to conclude with this morning is talking about the hope we have. Because this afternoon, 
we're the NFL has a lot of things going on today and a lot's going to be talked about as a result of what happens in week one. Now, it's not about football, but I want you guys to get a grasp and a hold of as believers the type of hope that we have is so radically different than the hope that the world has, okay? I'm a Packer fan. I don't have a choice. I was born and raised here, okay? Okay, it's just the way it is. I love the Packers. They kick the Bears' butts all the time. It just happens. But things have changed. And I hope they beat the Bears this afternoon. Do I know if they're going to beat the Bears? Because all the stuff I've listened to this last week, a lot of people think the Bears have gotten a lot of better and the Packers are going to be no good this year. But I know better. I really think the Packers are going to win. But that's the fan talking, and there's a hope. But deep down in me, like, I really have no clue who's going to win this afternoon. I hope the Packers show up and do it. But I really, my hope is not sure. That's the point. Do you guys get what I'm saying? I hope, okay? The game on Thursday night, Kansas City, Super Bowl champs against the Detroit Lions, right? Another, Detroit won! No one saw that coming. What's up with that? You see, our hope can be so misplaced sometimes. It's not a sure thing. And that's what I want you and I to get this morning, that as believers in Christ, our hope is sure. Biblical hope, the definition is not a wishful thinking. It is a confidence that we have. And I want each and every one of you to be so grounded in the Lord that you have confidence that we can stand upon his word and embrace his promises and say, yes, this is right. You are right. Your word is truth. And I want to conclude our time together this morning by just sharing some scriptures with one another that come around this confidence that we have in our God. The hope that you and I have as believers, the hope the world's really looking for. Okay? There's elections coming up that are far out yet, and I'm already sick of the conversations about it. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I lived enough life to know that no man is going to fix the problems. And again, why do I know that? Because it's what the Bible teaches. There's only one hope, and that hope is in God. That's it. And that's the hope the world's looking for, and that's the hope we get to share as disciple-making disciples, guys. We get to share that. So what I'd like to do is go around and just share a few scriptures that you guys have that come around hope. And as our brothers and sisters share these different scriptures, I just want you guys to listen. If it helps just to close your eyes and to listen, I just want you to allow the word of God to be spoken over you that you grab a hold of the hope that we have in Christ, okay? So I'm going to grab a microphone, Lord will. Oh, it's right up here. Uriah, can you turn this one on, please? Awesome. All right, so we're going to do hope scriptures. If you have a hope scripture and you want to raise your hand, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God elect and their knowledge of the truth which according uh, accords with godliness 
in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Thanks, Abby. Can you go up? Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord is God. And that's Psalm 146, verse 5. Psalm, Psalm 42, 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 42, did I say that? Psalm 42, 11. That's a good one. Anyone else? 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Colossians 1, 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. You guys letting this sink in? Christ... The hope of glory. Proverb twenty three eighteen. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Amen. Awesome. First Thessalonians one three, remembering before our God and our Father your work of faith and labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully in the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How many of you guys looking forward to that day? I sure am. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 24, 14. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And that's what we're doing right now. Through the encouragement of the scriptures, that you may have hope. Ephesians 1, 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know that it is the hope to which he has called you. What are you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Micah seven seven, but as for me I will look to the Lord. I will wait for you or for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. Isn't it awesome that we have a God that hears us? The God of our salvation. Does our IT guy this morning have one? <laughs> Job eleven eighteen, and you will feel secure because there's hope. You will look around and take your rest in security. You guys catch that? There's even hope in the book of Job. <laughs> For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Job 5, 15, 15 and 16. He saves the needy from the sword in their mouth. He saves them from the clutches of the powerful. 
so the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Um, Hebrew 11.1, 1, now faith is, is the insurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. First Timothy 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Psalm 39, 7. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Romans 5, verse 1. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Abound in hope. Psalm 71, verse 5. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Mark nine twenty three. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. All things. <laughs> uh, there's two here. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Psalm 33, uh, 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. Psalm 119, 81, my soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. First Peter 3.15 But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it in gentleness and respect. 2 Corinthians 3.12-14 Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ it is taken away. Wow. Anybody else? Pretty cool scriptures, huh? That hope is sure. That's a hope that's been entrusted to you and I, brother and sister. Corinthians tells us, and we're going to be studying this, 2 Corinthians, 
Do you guys know that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation? And can there be reconciliation without the hope of the gospel? No. Man tries to make their way to heaven. They try to do their best. But do you guys know religion doesn't work? That's what the Bible teaches us. You can't do it. And that's why we need Jesus. And aren't you guys grateful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life? What a God. What a Savior. What a hope we have in the gospel that we get to go share with others. And that's part of going and making disciples. Because we're also going to read in 2 Corinthians that we are ambassadors. This ministry of reconciliation, we're ambassadors for God. Because this isn't our home. We are just passing through. But we have a hope that we have been sent by God to go share. So what do we do, guys? We go, therefore, and we make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, not just to know what God says, to have good teaching, but to observe, to actually apply what we know, to live it out, and that I have commanded you to do this. And lo, I, again, I'm going to nerd out on you guys for a second, the Greek would actually say, I, even I. There's two I's in the original manuscripts here. And what God is declaring there, it's me. We have the Trinity, right? Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Name is singular. It should be in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's not because we know that God is triune. He is one but what Jesus is declaring by saying, I, even I, what he is saying, all authority has been given to me, okay? And I am sending you guys out, okay? And he says, I am going to be with you all, even to the end of the age. He is with us, guys. That is a blessed hope, that he's never going to leave us, never forsaken us, that he's going to give us his Holy Spirit to be witnesses endow us with that type of power to shine before this world that's pretty cool I'm going to end with this thought baptizing them does that mean we're going to go and get a bunch of people wet is that what he's talking about take the big plunge there's a spiritual baptism that we're taught about very clearly in the scripture being born again of the spirit and what's really cool about this word baptize it was a word that was used back then so you had somebody who um, made cloth so people can make their dresses and their clothing but everybody doesn't want the same color cloth so what do they need to do to change the color of the cloth they need to dye it and that's the word baptism they use that they immerse this cloth in a certain color and it comes out changed. It's a different color. Guys, you and I have been immersed in the blood of Christ. 
we have been forgiven. This is the baptism that they're talking about, that people would come to faith in Christ because the second you repent and you put your faith in Christ, the Bible says you're born again. You are saved. You are a new creation, which we're also going to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things come new. A couple weeks ago when we did our baptism out at the quarry there, we looked at Romans. Hey, baptized. The old man passed away. Newness. You are a new creation. Walk in the newness of life as a believer. We get to do that, guys. We have a new identity. We're no longer that shade. We've been baptized in Christ. We now can have the mind of Christ. We can make Christ's decisions. We can act like Christ. We don't have to sin any longer because we've been baptized in the blood of Christ. We are forgiven. We are a new creation. And brother and sister, I want you guys to live that out. Grab a hold of that truth, the identity of who you are in Jesus. And that'll be the next time we share some scriptures with one another. We're going to come around some promises in the word about who we are in Christ. It's not just a hope that we have, but because of the hope we have in Christ, we get to be radically different. We are changed. And I'm going to leave you with this one thought. This is a great commission. It really is. But if we don't take what we know, what we learn, and apply it, there will never be transformation in our life. I'm going to leave you with that and let you chew on that. But if you want real change, real transformation to be more like Jesus, and that's what we're doing, right? God is changing us from glory to glory. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is faithful to complete the work that he's begun in us, right? We have to take what we know, what God has declared, even the hope we have, and we actually have to apply that. Because when we apply it, the transformation, guys, lives are changed, and it's beautiful. Aren't you guys glad that God's ways are way better than ours? Yeah. If you've been fighting his ways, guys, it's time to humble yourself and just say, you know what, God? <laughs> I'm sick of doing it my way, the hard way. You're right. And you just say, yes, God, I surrender. I'm in. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, and we don't want to be a church that just says that we're about the Great Commission. We want to be doers of your word. We want to be living it out. We want to encourage one another. We want to be building each other up, praying for one another. God, I thank you for this family, this team. God, that we get to do life together. We want to do it well for your glory because you are worthy. And what a Savior you are. And you are so worthy of your sacrifice, God. You desire that none would perish. God, you want to see many come to you into relationship with you to have eternity with you. We thank you for that type of love that you are the one and true living God and that you really do love us and desire us, and that you have plans and mission for us, God. You haven't just left us here to ourselves, Lord. There are things that you want us to be a part of, and it is a blessing to be a part of the family business. So would you give us wisdom and insight? 
and your Holy Spirit just really be working in our hearts and our lives in radical ways and opening doors for us, Lord, to be growing and also pouring into others. God, sharing this hope with others, discipling well. You desire that. You deserve that. So please, help us. Give us boldness, clarity, wisdom, and how that looks. And we pray this in your awesome name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.